Hello and welcome to Speaking Spirit, where we talk about all things spiritual. Your host, John Moore, is a shamanic practitioner and spiritual teacher. And now, here's John. Hello, hello. Hello, everybody. Nice to talk to you again. Um, I know, <laughs> so I... I recorded a podcast not that long ago, but it had been about three weeks since I recorded one. Um, for for good reasons, I have been. Uh, I wrote a chapter of a book that is being published. I had a writing deadline, and uh, fortunately met it. And um, I'll have more details about that as the book nears um, publication. But it's a book about relationships. And uh, I wrote a chapter about sacred relationships and how to deepen your relationship spiritually. So that's coming up. Um, I've also been doing, for some some reason, uh, I'll maybe talk about that a little bit today. I've been t- uh, doing a lot of radio and podcast guest appearances. Um, I have another one coming up tomorrow. I had uh, several last week. I've got another one on Friday. So... Um, you know, it's fun. It's nice. I love, uh, to spread the word about the things I love to talk about, namely spirit and shamanism and all kinds of stuff. So today, um, is, well, I'll tell you this. It is very early. This is earlier than I usually record these, but I woke up early this morning and I decided to do a little reading, um, perusing, you know, perusing the web, as it were, and um, reading some things. And, uh, you know, I like to, I don't know, my mind goes in different places very early in the morning and very late at night. Um, And so I like, you know, and I am, though I teach shamanism and I talk a lot about spirituality, I'm a very scientifically minded person. I actually have, um, I have a master's degree in a scientific field, uh, you know, um, and I spent decades working in computer science. I realize anything, usually anything with the word science isn't in it is an art and not a science. And that's a little bit what computer science is, but, um, you know, it, it informs my thinking, you know, the way that I solve problems and the way that I, um, think algorithmically, they beat that stuff into you. So, I got up and I started reading today, and there was an article in sort of a, you know, popular scientific website where they put out a lot of stuff about, um, you know, new th- new thinking around things and new, uh, you know, uh, really big movements in science and that sort of thing. So this article came up for me this morning, and I think it's fortuitous because I just have been talking about things like magic and manifestation and law of attraction, and in fact, that's what I'm going to be talking about today. I'll call this podcast Magic, Manifestation, and the Law of Attraction. And so anyway, this article came up, and I always pay attention to synchronicities when things come up that are a theme or a rhyme with something I'm already looking at or doing, and this article says, is human consciousness creating reality? Interesting idea, scientifically. 
um, not so new in the spiritual realm. And so this is an article about an article. You know how they write popular articles about um, science articles for for us lay people to understand, although I very frequently will go and download um, you know, science articles that I read read popular articles about because sometimes they are misrepresented. But um, this is basically a, a paper about a paper that was put out by a bunch of authors, including um, a man named Robert Lanza, who is an expert in stem cells and regenerative medicine. And he, I don't know if he created or popularized the theory of biocentrism that says that consciousness is the driving force for the existence of the whole universe. Particularly, well, in his perspective, biological consciousness. Um, you know, this is where I might differ a little bit. Biological consciousness is, I think biology is a receiver of consciousness more than a creator of consciousness, but we can argue there. Um, so anyway, uh, the the argument is that you know, the universe kind of exists as a field of quantum probabilities. There's all of the, you know, quantum foam underneath everything. And that by observing or, you know, observing things, by having things come up in our consciousness, um, we collapse the probabilities, right? So there's the whole Schrodinger's cat thought experiment, um, which isn't quite what people think it is. It was actually a way that Schrodinger was making fun of of um, of quantum, you know, some quantum ideas of you know, um, sup- what we call superpositions. Things can be a thing and not a thing at the same time. And um, <clears throat> Schrodinger's cat: you have a cat in a box, and there is some device in the box that is, um, you know. 50-50 whether it poisons the cat, you know, releases poison gas into the box and kills the cat. And until you open the box up and observe the cat, the cat is 50% alive and 50% dead. But when you observe the cat, the cat, uh, you know, the, the reality collapses, the, the probability collapses, and you oh, the cat is definitely alive, hopefully. Um, you know, and, and that, that's kind of the idea that we observe or our consciousness solidifies reality out of all of these probabilities. Um, my problem with Schrodinger's cat is um, it assumes the cat isn't conscious. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, this is a very human-centric, as is this article, very human-centric, that it's human consciousness that is creating the universe. Um, and I can tell you, I can tell you that, you know, no matter how you feel about animals, whether you eat them or wear them or are a vegan or what have you, um, that animals are indeed conscious. So are plants and trees and rivers and rocks. It's consciousness on a very different level than we might experience it, but it is indeed consciousness. Um, and I think my experience has that the entire universe is a field of consciousness. So it's very haughty. It's very human centric to say that, oh, it's, you know, it's human consciousness that's creating the universe. I think 
Consciousness, yes. Is human consciousness all of it? Certainly not. Um, if a tree falls in the woods and nobody's around to hear it, does it re- truly make a sound? Well, you know, are there birds in the forest and ants and aardvarks or whatever, you know, um, all of these things. So, but, you know, the important point here is that um, these are scientifically minded people putting forth a theory and I you know, I don't know how they might prove that scientifically, but there are some very smart people out there designing cool experiments. And, um, you know, maybe someday we'll, you know, we'll see that that, you know, be able to have some more scientific proof that this is the case. It's, it's you know, it's a theory. It's a hypothesis. Um, I realize those two things are different. Um, but, it, you know, it's an idea that, you know, that jives with a lot of spiritual belief, right? Going back to the beginning of time, the beginning of human evolution and consciousness and religiosity, for lack of a better term, spirituality, when everybody was shamanic, you know, (laughs) sounds interesting to me that uh, everybody was practicing shamanism, uh, before, before we had anything else. Um, so <clears throat> let's talk about this a little bit. And so I have this, um, I have a couple of working theories myself. And one of those theories is that the deeper you go into anything, the more spiritual it becomes. The fine, <clears throat> pardon me, as you may know, if you listen to these, I don't edit them. So you get my little early morning, um, voice cracks and stuff. I'm going to have just a sip of coffee here. It's a little warm liquid. Um, Anyway, so uh, the deeper you go into anything, the more spiritual it becomes. This includes absolutely anything. And and I think that includes physics. I think of physics as very mechanical, right? And I can tell you that, you know, Isaac Newton himself thought that the mechanical nature of the, the universe was proof of God's great design. And yes, he was coming from a Christian perspective, but we should note that Isaac Newton, at least 10 to 15% of his journals were about experiments in alchemy. So he was interested in how the universe worked and saw that, you know, this the universe is very orderly and that a lot of it was proof that of intelligent design. Um, you know, fast forward to, you know, quantum physics and that sort of thing. And we get into really spooky things like quantum entanglement where two particles can affect each other over great physical distances with no known connection between them. Right. We've, um, we've essentially teleported information in the lab through, you know, We've sent information from one place to another through quantum tunneling uh, without it passing any of the space in between. Um, You know, and we're just starting. We are are pre-infants. We're basically in the fetal stage of, of figuring this stuff out and learning about it from a scientific perspective. But 
um, lots of, uh, you know, lots of the people who worked on things like the nuclear bomb and, and back in the day and stuff like that were <clears throat> sort of started to, you know, think in more spiritual terms, you know, still putting things in, in terms of physics, but, um, stuff just becomes more about consciousness and the way that the universe works and the way that consciousness affects the universe. So consciousness affects the universe. We know this, we know that observation can change physical reality. Um, if you are unfamiliar, there's something called the double slit experiment that shows if we, you know, pass light through a pair of, um, slits on a piece of cardboard or something, um, we can cause that light to behave as waves or particles, depending upon how we observe it. How does light know that we're observing it? You know, how does it know? So consciousness or measurement in scientific terms affects physical reality in ways that we can experiment with and use and not really explain at this point. Someday, perhaps. Um, So let's talk a little bit about magic. Uh, I've given my working definition of magic before, but I will give it again. I always like to define my terms, just so you know what I'm talking about. Not because my terms are better than anybody else's, but if I use a word um, in a way that's different, you know, it might cause some misunderstanding. And a lot of the ways that I think about things and use them are maybe not so common. Um, So magic. So, um, you know, there have been lots of definitions of magic, and I'm not talking about stage magic, though I love stage magic. I love to watch stage magic. Beautiful performances. There's lots of new stuff being done. I grew up on David Copperfield and Doug Henning and Penn and Teller. Um, But Magic, real magic, the stuff, you know, we might think of as witchcraft or wizardry or sorcery or all of these things from a sort of non-fictional perspective. Um, And I'll, you know, I'll paraphrase Aleister Crowley a little bit, who was an, I will say, an infamous magician, by all accounts, not a very nice guy, but um, wrote some very seminal texts that are still being used today to study occultism and that his, you know, his wave of thinking called Thelema still exists. There's still people who practice it. So anyway, he, uh, he said that magic is causing change in accordance with will. And, um, you know, I think that is a good, I think it's a good start. I think it's too broad. It's too inclusive maybe because I can, you know, I can ask someone to pass me the salt and they do. And is that a magical act? Maybe not we probably wouldn't consider that magic. Maybe you do, maybe, Um, but I wouldn't. Um, I would consider that a very ordinary act. Unless that, unless the, you know, I was asking a uh, god or goddess, for example, to pass the salt and that worked. Um, So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to change that up a little bit. My definition is using non-ordinary, non-physical means to influence reality influence right so in physics in quantum physics we're talking about these fields of probability and i think the things that we do that could be considered magic are um, working on influencing probabilities right 
we can we can push probability around. Um, you know, can I you know hold up my hand and do some magic and have a gold coin appear in my hand? Um, you know, that is a very improbable act. It's very improbable that that would occur. However, it's not impossible. <laughs> um, according to physics, through quantum tunneling, there is a very small, infinitesimally small, but non-zero chance that that might occur. And, you know, maybe there are magicians who are powerful enough to do that. I have not witnessed that particular thing, although I have seen some things that defy reality, um, you know, changed changed my view on how reality works. Um, but that's, you know, it, it's, it's much harder to in, influence things that are uh, probabilistically very impossible. So, um, or, or not very possible, I should say, not impossible. Um, so, for example, let's talk about a little bit about law of attraction, which people know is a, you know, popular method of, uh, you know, a popular description of some old thinking that, uh, you know, you can, uh, about this very thing that you can affect reality based on your thinking and your feeling. And this is all, you know, there's a truth to that. And I do like the pot, you know, the secret and all of that stuff. But I do think that that led people to sitting around and wishing real hard and then wondering why, the law of attraction wasn't working for them. <clears throat> and I'm gonna, and I boil it down in a nutshell for you right here in this podcast. So hang on, I'm going to teach you how to get the law of attraction to work for you um, or work better for you anyway. So, um, you know, really, you know, if the law of attraction, if manifestation and magic all work, they're all things, they exist. How come I can't sit on my couch and, think real hard, and win the lottery, right? So first of all, I don't play the lottery. I don't, I don't buy lottery tickets. So that would make that next to impossible, very, very improbable. But let's take, um, let's take something like the Powerball, which is, if you don't know, the Powerball is a huge multi-state lottery here in the United States. They've had... Um, jackpots some of their biggest jackpots are like half a billion dollars can't even imagine um so your odds of winning powerball are like one in 300 and something million to win the jackpot that is a lot and and it's chosen by um you know having these physical balls that roll you know that roll out of a machine that are picked very much physically at random. So beyond the sheer odds of not winning, there is the, you know, the the physical randomness, the chaos in the system. Um, and trying to influence that by thought alone is challenging. It's far easier to um, influence things that are more probable, right? Um, like you might manifest finding a new job. You know, that sort of thing. So let me talk about if you've tried law of attraction and manifestation and it hasn't really worked for you, 
Um, let me explain a little bit why that might be and how you might have better results at things you want to manifest. And I will say that I don't like, ultimately, I think anything is possible in an infinite and expanding universe. Just probabilistically, anything is literally possible. Probable is another story, right? Um, so, you know, this is not to say you have to try to manifest easy things, but I have, I've worked in ways where you start with small things and you manifest larger and larger and larger things. And I have experimented with that successfully in my life. And someday I will talk about that in, in a, in a podcast episode, not this one, but it's kind of a long story. Um, uh, but, you know, let's say I want to manifest a new job. I'm, you know, I'm out there looking for work and I want to, want to find a new job. Um, you're going to increase your chances of something if you get into congruence and congruence or alignment means that all of your systems or at least most of them are working together. So let's say that I do want to find a new job and I, um, you know, I want to manifest a new job, but I don't put my resume out there and I don't go on any job interviews. Well, that's not very congruent behavior and my heart might be in the right place, but the chances of a job falling in my lap like that are very, very slim. I'm, I'm decreasing the probability that that's going to happen. Excuse me. If I want to manifest that I lose weight, but I eat two whole pizzas every day for lunch, that's going to be very challenging. I'm going to be moving out of congruence and alignment. So, you know, the idea that you don't have to do anything physical and you can manifest your dreams um, is nice. That would be nice if things work that way, and sometimes they do. But you're decreasing your odds. You want the odds to be in your favor when you want to manifest something. So if you want to manifest, um, you know, the love of your life, you may have to get out there and meet people. If you lock yourself in a closet and never go out, maybe people will send the firemen in to break down your door and one of them will be the love of your life. I don't know. Um, But the chances of that happening decrease. So you can, so, you know, magic manifestation law of attraction is all about um, dealing with probabilities. It's all about increasing probabilities until things happen for you. Um, and, you know, there, there does seem to be a skill at it to where some people can just step into the flow of the universe because they get, they get what they want almost at a thought, almost at an intention. Um, sometimes this takes practice because uh, we have all kinds of stuff going on in, in our thoughts. We have unconscious thoughts, which is actually the majority of our thoughts. We have fears. We have all kinds of things. So if you think about a human being, 
think about yourself as a <clears throat> a system of systems. We have a body which is itself a system of systems because it has circulatory, nervous, digestive, reproductive, all of these different systems, endocrine system that work together. We have a mental system which has many, many parts. We have uh, spiritual systems which have many, many parts. And if, you know, if I were driving down the road in my car and I'm trying to drive straight, but I turn the wheel to the right. So my two tires are facing to the two front tires are facing to the right. I'm not going to go straight. So if I think really hard that I want to lose some weight, I want to drop some body fat, you know, that is my mental system. And I might even have some emotion behind that. Um, you know, I might even get into spiritual alignment with that. But if I, eat a couple of pizzas every day, I'm probably not going to lose weight because a good portion of my system, in fact, the system I'm trying to influence, which is my body, is out of alignment with that. Okay? If I buy, if I pay for a gym membership, but I never go to the gym, I'm not going to get into shape. And I might do all the magic in the world, but... It's far easier for me just to show up to the gym. <clears throat> that being said, if I want to lose weight, and we know that most people fail most diets. They'll succeed for a while, and then they'll fail. They'll put all the weight on plus, plus more. And uh, you know, a big part of that is they're not bringing their mind and emotions along for the ride. So they're influencing physical reality. So again, like success in any endeavor is much easier when you get th- get into alignment. When you take divine-inspired physical action, it helps things in the physical realm. So if you're trying to affect physical reality, the easiest way to do that is uh, by in physical reality, in the plane, in the plane of existence where things are. Um, that being said, you know, the spiritual plane, the astral plane, the mental plane, the causal plane, all interact. They all interact with the physical and they all interact with each other. And so you can apply influences there. This is why we light birthday candles, make a wish and blow them out. Right? This is a wish. It's, it's an act of magic, whether you think it is or not. This is why we throw a coin in a wishing well. And that is sort of about making offerings. Um, <clears throat> it's really making offerings to like, you know, if it's if it's a natural well especially, it's about making offer offerings to um, water spirits. Um, you know, but so, you know, that you can affect physical reality through thought, through emotion, through spiritual means. But it's going to be easier if you do some physical work as well. If you get into, if you get into action, and I realize this runs counter to what a lot of people want to happen. And notice I said it gets easier. I didn't say it becomes possible, because I do think that um, there have been times in my life where I have been able to um, create circumstances that uh, I didn't do anything for physically. 
Um, but I did a lot of spiritual work. So I'm not dissuading you from doing that kind of thing, but if you're finding, you know, you need to treat this stuff as an experiment. And most magicians, if you read the works of like people doing alchemy and um, magic and stuff, um, most solo magicians from Renaissance back, um, we're experimenting with stuff. Let me try this, see if it works. Let me try that, see if it works. So if you're not getting the results you want, you need to change your methods. And I'm trying to give you some pointers here, but the better you can get yourself into alignment and congruence, the more likely, the more probable your outcomes are going to be what you desire. So, you know, you got, you got to put it out there. So, you know, I, I do this, I do this podcast, for example, this is a labor of love. I just like, uh, I like, I like talking, I like, um, talking about things that I'm really interested in, but it is also a way for me to reach out to the world and get more people to know me. And, you know, it's, it's a bit of a marketing tool. I'm not going to be too shy about that, although I don't use it strictly as that. And I don't really, I don't push, um, I don't push anything. I hope. I hope it doesn't come across that I'm pushing anything here, because I don't want it. I don't, I don't want it to be like that, right? But you know, I'm putting my voice and my effort out there into the world, and um, through this podcast, through other means, I you know write a blog. I have a YouTube channel, um, all kinds of stuff. So, um, you know, this is stuff. You know, this is stuff that I do that enhances my my business. I'm putting energy out into the world. I'm doing physical things. I'm, you know, uh, getting my mind and spirit into alignment. And so lots of opportunities open up for me, not just because of this podcast, but in part, I get opportunities to speak on the radio. I get opportunities to guest on other people's podcasts. More people hear about me, more people contact me for, for, uh, different reasons. You know, I get opportunities to contribute to books and um, write articles and do all kinds of stuff because there's some alignment there with what I'm doing spiritually. I'm also putting effort out into the effort out into the world. So, um, you know, anything we do to influence the world around us through non-ordinary means. And this is where this is where I think magic differs than from other things because I can influence like if I go buy a lottery ticket, I'm influencing my chances of winning the lottery, not by a whole lot. Well, actually by a whole lot because my chances were practically zero before, but um <laughs> I'm increasing my chance from like practically zero to 1 in 300 million, which is close enough to zero that I I don't make an effort there. But um you know, going and buying a lottery ticket isn't an act of magic, but if I were to do some ritual around there in attempt to influence, you know, bring those odds, align 300 million points of data to match my exact ticket and win, that would be an act of magic. So any non-physical, non-ordinary things you do. So... Um, you know, a lot of people might differ with my definition, but I think things like prayer 
are acts of magic. I think blowing up birthday candles or, or throwing a quarter in a wishing well, or um, I think shamanism is, is definitely magic. Witchcraft, Reiki, um, all of these things are magical acts. They're meant to use non-ordinary, non-physical means to influence reality, to bring health, to bring whatever. Um, you know, part of the reason people might not see it that way is that there's been um, thousands of years of anti-magic propaganda out there. Like, you can, don't do magic because you are, that's from the devil. Oh, but here, uh, make an offering and light a candle and pray so that your loved one can recover in the hospital. But that's not magic. Um, I bet, you know, <laughs> we can differ, but I will beg to differ at that point. Um, you know, if you're, if you're praying for, re- for certain results or you're praying even just for enlightenment, that's, that's a form of reality. So, it, so in my definition, the use of non-physical, non-ordinary means to influence reality, I didn't just say physical reality. So things we do to uh, influence our mental reality and our spiritual reality and the different realities that um, we shamanic practitioners tend, you know, visit other realms of reality. Those are acts of magic as well. So I didn't, you know, I'm not just saying physical reality. So there are lots of things we can do. There's dream work, right? We can influence dreaming reality. There is, uh, you know, stuff we can do. We can wear, you know, talismans to help us um, increase our mental ability to pass a test or, you know, do some, you know, do some work. Or we can have something to increase our luck. And in many spiritual systems, luck is an energy. It's a force. It's um, part of our energy anatomy. There's... um, I'll talk about luck. I'll do another podcast about luck. That'll be fun. Maybe I'll do that around St. Patrick's Day. Honor my Irish heritage. Luck's a big deal. And um, uh, in my, you know, my Norse ancestors, my, you know, my Viking ancestors, um, there's, you know, there's an energy anatomy there that um, luck, there's something called the Haminga, which is, like this energy backpack that carries around your luck. Um, yeah, I'll do a whole podcast about that at some point. Talk about luck. That'll be fun. Um, so, but, you know, I, I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, magic manifestation, law of attraction. Um, law of attraction, there is, you know, there's something to be said. There's a lot to be said for it in the kind of fake it till you make it attitude, right? So, um, act as if the thing you want is already present, right? So if I want to um, manifest a new job, I meditate, I pretend I pretend like that job is already present. I imagine um, what it's like. I feel the emotions that I would feel when I, as if I had this now. Um, and the reason why that is and can be an effective tool 
is that it tends to promote this congruence. It tends to make us act and think and emote together. Um, the problem comes, there is sometimes a problem. Um, there is some research to show that positive, uh, that unwarranted positive thinking um, this isn't to say, oh, I'm having a rough time, but I know I'm going to make it through here. That is positive thinking. That's, you know, that works really well. But, um, you know, if I'm being evicted from my home and uh, about to live on the streets and I'm thinking to myself, I live in a mansion, I live in a mansion, I live in a mansion. Um, at some point, I'm going to create some a significant amount of cognitive dissonance there. And um, that has been shown in some research to actually lead to severe depression. So, um, you know, and in my mind, it is a form of spiritual bypassing. And spiritual bypassing is sort of pretending, pretending like we don't have any problems because we're spiritual people. See this all the time. It's maybe, maybe the number one problem out there with spirituality. Oh, I am above anger and I have no bad feelings because I have eliminated them. I am, you know, a level three master of spiritual emotion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this isn't meant to put anybody down or be pejorative, but it, it has become a problem, particularly in more new age circles where um, people don't recognize what's actually going on within themselves and they're living <clears throat> kind of in a deluded way and using spirituality as a crutch in the same way that people use drugs to escape reality. People can use spirituality to escape reality. One of the things I really like about the path that I'm on with shamanism is that it is very grounded and you know, even though I spend a significant amount of time in non-ordinary reality, I am expected to walk in both worlds. And, um, you know, there's there's an expression, and I don't know where it came from, but I heard it on a shamanic podcast once, and I am so, I'm sorry that I can't attribute this to anybody, but, um, you know, it was a, a woman podcaster, and I can't even remember her name, and I feel bad about that. But if I can figure out where this came from. I heard it years ago. If I can figure out where this came from, I will, I promise I will um, add some notes to this podcast or something crediting people because I do like to give people credit where it's due. But I just think this is brilliant and it stuck with me. And, um, you know, should talk about a subject and then say, but does it grow corn? Meaning that um, particularly among indigenous people in North America, um, you know, you're relying on your spiritual leaders, well, everywhere, in indigenous people everywhere, you're relying on your spiritual leaders for survival purposes, right? Okay, it's great that you can travel to all of these other realms, but in physical reality, are you starving to death because you didn't grow corn or you weren't able to um, hold down a job or, you know, that sort of thing? And this is against, this is sort of against the idea of using spirituality as an escape. 
there's a there's a fine line between using spirituality as an escape and using it as part of a solution to a problem. So this is where this positive thinking can um, break things down, break down a little bit, because if people are just um, ignoring reality and not taking care of the things that they're supposed to take care of, not doing self-care, not doing um, taking care of all of the various realms we live in, mind, body, and spirit, um, you know, th- that's a problem. You are not just a spiritual being. Your body is a, is important as long as you have one as well. Um, I like to place importance on every part of you. Your body is important. It is the vehicle that you're using in this reality, and someday you will shed that and not have this opportunity again, perhaps. I mean, you'll, you know, if you do the reincarnation thing, you will be reborn into a different body, but you will never have this exact opportunity again. So take care of it. Take care of your body. Take care of your physical needs. Take care of your mental and emotional needs. And take care of your spiritual needs. You know, there's an expression from cars, um, firing on all cylinders, right? So if you know how, en- you know, engines, gas engines work, um, they, you know, they have these cylinders that uh, have, you know, that that move up and down and they, you know, essentially um, suck in gasoline, and you know, as an aerosol um, and then they compress it and then the spark plugs fire and that causes you know like little explosions inside your engine that keep the pistons moving back and forth right and um you know if you are let's say you have a six cylinder car and only three cylinders are working you know this might not be the exact math as to how that works but you know, you're only going to be working at 50% effectiveness. Maybe less than that. I don't know. I don't know the math for um, how engines work. If But firing on all cylinders means that you're firing at full power, that all of your cylinders are working, that your mind, your body, and your spirit are working together. When you get things into alignment, when you get that congruence, I think there's almost, it, it makes it makes the impossible possible. It makes things happen. This is where this is where magic happens. It's where magic is effective. And um, you know, this is where the the law of attraction comes into place. Um, so, if you're just sitting on the couch wishing really hard that circumstances are going to change in your life, you may have some small influence on probability. But the act of sitting on the couch is probably going to have a greater influence on probability. Your inaction will have a greater influence on things. And so, um, you know, get into alignment, get into congruence. Magic will happen. Our consciousness does affect the universe, but so does everybody else's. Right? The uh, 150 million other people playing Powerball each week are also wishing real hard that they win. And, you know, part of the reason the jackpots get so big is that there is not a winner every week. 
So I don't know if people are canceling out each other's wishes or that sort of thing. Um, and that gets into, you know, the idea of ecological, being ecological. If what I'm wishing for harms others or causes harms harm to me in some other way, you know, um, you know, I can give, I won't give a personal example of that, but I can tell you that there was a period of time where something I wished for came true and it really um, kind of messed my life up for a while because I didn't think of the repercussions of getting what it was that I wanted. And I paid for that for a long time. So, you know, something to consider. Be ecological because you just might be magic. <laughs> you are magic. Um, you can't help but influence the universe, um, even non, non-physically. You're, you're doing it whether you... We're doing it unconsciously most of the time. So that being said, this is a little bit of a shorter podcast. I hope this has been informative, given you something to think about, some, some tips if you practice manifestation. If you don't practice manifestation, you're manifesting anyway. You're just not practicing it. You're just not doing it consciously. So be conscious in your manifestation. Get into alignment. Get into congruence. And things will happen for you. I, I know it. I am an example of it. And um, I wish you all the happiness in the world. I wish you, you good luck. I wish you to remain healthy and happy. been listening to Speaking Spirit with your host, John Moore. For more info or to contact John, go to mainshaman.com. That's M-A-I-N-E-S-H-A-M-A-N.com.